0: Hey, everybody, welcome to episode number 218 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd.
1: And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Today's theme is support your local sheriff. Our guest today is Jerry
0: Sheridan, who
1: is a 2020 candidate for Maricopa County Sheriff.
0: Absolutely. Jerry has previously served as the chief deputy of the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office, the MCSO, which is the fourth largest sheriff's office in the nation. His career spans 40 years at the MCSO, where he began as a volunteer and using his training, education, and experience, earned the highest rank just under the sheriff. Jerry is a constitutional conservative Republican and understands that the role of sheriff is to serve the people in protecting the Constitution, people's liberties, and gun rights. And now, instead of reporting to the sheriff, Jerry's goal is to be elected as sheriff and report directly to the people of Maricopa County. Welcome to the show, Jerry.
2: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. This is really, uh, I mean, I couldn't imagine the timing being more perfect to have the conversation and ask the questions that we're going to go through today. Um, you know, as we sit in the studio, today is Monday, June 15th in twenty twenty. And it is a rough time in the United States for any law enforcement officer. There are some individuals who wear the uniform and do horrible things regardless of their oath to serve. Citizens around the nation are frightened, they're hurting, and they're angry. And law enforcement officers just have to be demoralized and, frankly, afraid to do the job they swore an oath to do. Leadership will make all the difference in how we as a nation navigate times like these. Talk to us, Jerry, about these extraordinary times.
2: Well, I've seen these times my entire life. Uh, My father and uncles were New York City police officers. Uh, My dad started back in the 50s, so he went through the 50s, 60s, and 70s. I started my career in the late 70s, and so when I got in the patrol car myself in uniform, they were still yelling pigs and saluting us with one finger. So I've seen some of it, but it's never been this bad ever. I attribute this to not racism, not systemic racism. Like people are saying, you actually said the word that I've been using and it's fear. It's fear on both sides. It's fear from the citizens themselves and probably even heightened even more with the hispanic and black communities but think about it for yourself and all the listeners when you're driving and you see a marked unit behind you don't you get a little scared i know i do (laughs) and i And 40 years of my life wearing that uniform.
0: That that foot comes flying off the gas. I'm not going to lie.
2: (laughs) But make sure you got two hands on the wheel. You look down and make sure you're not speeding. You know, everyone feels that fear. But also people need to understand the fear of the officer walking up to that unknown person in the car. And I know that because a quarter of a mile away from where I live, there was a... uh, Arizona DPS officer that I knew for almost 30 years that was gunned down from a traffic stop because the person he walked up to that day had just murdered two people a half hour before and he didn't know that. So this fear on both sides. I don't think it's racism. I don't think it's a racial issue. I think it's more of a fear issue. And that's where the leadership comes in need to make the officers, the deputies, the state troopers understand, you need to look at things from both sides, and you also need to reach out to the communities to teach them and tell them what the officers are thinking. You know, George Floyd obviously was a murder in my opinion, and there was history between George and that former officer from Minneapolis. That's a, that is uh, an anomaly. That, that doesn't occur very often. But people need to understand the difficulty of policing in modern society. And then you also have the anarchists out there. You also have the agitators out there. You also have the people that are making money on creating this conflict between the police and the uh, black and Hispanic communities. And so you always follow the money and what other issues, political issues, and all these other things that just make these issues even worse.
1: Well, Jerry, I'd like to thank you for your service. First of all, I mean, you put a lot of your whole life into this, but you know, when I was a kid, we lived in a really rough area, South Phoenix, and we were told when we first started driving a car, if you get pulled over by a police officer, both hands on the steering wheel, roll the window down and just be pleasant. And We are also told to do what the officer said to do. If the officer is wrong, we can deal with that later, but do what they say to do. Let them have control of the situation and then move from there. And I don't think the kids are taught that these days. They're taught fear. They're taught to be afraid of the police. And so it causes a problem.
2: Well, you know, just like many incidents we've seen had people just cooperated with law enforcement. There would never have been a problem. You know, I spent about 16, 17 years in a patrol car out of my 40 years. I've never seen or talked to an officer that wants to go out and get in a fight or hurt someone and absolutely doesn't want to go out and kill someone. That's not on anyone's agenda. But things do happen and things occur very quickly. And let's talk about the incident that happened uh, in Atlanta, just the other day, okay? You saw the video, I don't know if you saw the body cam footage yesterday, but those officers were very pleasant with him. Obvious, it it was obvious that they thought he was um, drunk behind the wheel. They were going to arrest him. Everything was fine until they began to put the handcuffs on him. And then he fought, It, it was a very violent fight. He took off. He took one of the tasers from the officer, turns around, fires the taser at the officer. You know, I explained to my wife this morning, I said, you know, when you put your hand on a hot iron, it's a natural reaction to pull away. You, You don't even think about it. So when somebody turns and points something at you and fires something at you, you know, we train our law enforcement officers to react. How? To fire back. It's an instantaneous thing, There's that's how they're trained. They fired that officer. It's very unfortunate that that man died, but had he cooperated, you know, he may have uh, sat in jail for a few hours before somebody got him out, and none of this would have happened.
1: Right, you so, think about that taser too, uh, if he would have shot the officer with the taser, and even after he fired it, he could still use a taser against the officer, Uh, the officer freezes, he grabs his gun and kills the officer. I mean, there's a lot more to it than what they're saying. And you know, he, he had the choice. He should have just complied. He made the choice to be aggressive and has the consequences of it.
0: So Let me just ask you this, which is, uh, you know, we didn't plan to get this deep into the woods on what happened in Atlanta. Um, and you may not have even heard that Joe Biden had made this statement but uh, after the George Floyd um, murder, which didn't involve guns, um, uh, presidential candidate Joe Biden said, you know, we need to train officers to shoot to wound. Could you talk to us about why that is not, I mean, we as citizens, when we take uh, firearms training, we are told that that actually can lead to us being in uh, legal hot water uh, to shoot, to wound, rather than if we feel our life is threatened, we have to shoot to stop the threat. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about why that is not probably where we're going to go with future training for police officers?
2: Well, you, you can't do that. That's something that you see on TV, and I think maybe uh, Joe's watching too much TV. <laughs> um, you shoot for center of Mass, right? The biggest target you're shooting in a very stressful situation uh, and there's there's no way that you're going to shoot somebody's leg or arm or or, or anything like that Ex- you said it exactly what you're doing is you're shooting to stop the threat and if you miss by wanting to shoot somebody's leg and you hit somebody else or whatever i mean there's a lot of liability behind it you know you always have to be cognizant of what's behind that person you're shooting at. If there's innocent people behind there, there have been officers that have been killed in a gun battle because they didn't fire because there were innocent people behind the person with the gun that they would have shot had there not been uh, you know, people behind them. So it's a very complex issue. Uh, like I said, no officer, that i've known over my entire life you know since i was a little kid to when i retired three years ago as the chief deputy wants to shoot somebody wants to hurt somebody um i've never seen that in my entire career
0: yes so um many people don't even realize that sheriff is an elected office right which is a very different relationship to the people they they serve than being hired in, Um, not that one is better than the other, but it it definitely shifts the relationship. Um, So can you talk to us about that particular distinction?
2: Yes, the sheriff being elected is a constitutional office. The sheriff is the chief law enforcement officer of the county. Of 3,000 counties, there's. 3000 elected sheriffs here. And what's very critical about that is they report directly to the people. Police chiefs are appointed and hired by city or town managers that report to the city or town council. That's why you see them, in my opinion, kneeling and marching with criminal protesters not peaceful protesters but criminals people that have done uh, riots and damage and injured people and then the day later they're marching with the same people i that's uh, deplorable to me so the sheriff because he reports to the people uh has the ability to act within his own feelings on how he feels about it not how somebody else tells him how to act and behave so that's critical community policing is something that i learned before it was even a word back in 1977 when i first joined the maricopa county sheriff's office because the sheriff reports to the people the sheriff has that immediate Uh, relationship with those people, and they want us to listen and talk to the people, the shop owners, to get out of your car. Those were concepts later on back in the 80s that people started to talk about community policing. Well, sheriffs do that automatically.
0: I love that. So you describe yourself as a constitutional conservative Republican, and why would that be an important distinction in an elected official?
2: Well, it's super, uber important right now, especially with the anarchy going on, or at other times, maybe the tyranny of government, that people understand that the Constitution, the United States Constitution, is the supreme law of the land you know there's been incidents where the federal government uh, federal law enforcement agencies have overstepped their authority the sheriff of the county is responsible for all law enforcement functions that happen within his county or her county so um, that's an important distinction it's also important to know that since the sheriff is the chief law enforcement officer of the county They have the ability to help and or step in when the police chiefs need the help to deal with the things that are going on. And let's face it, the last 10, 15 days across this country, some sheriffs has helped. And I can tell you the sheriff here in the Phoenix area, where is he? Mm. Where was he? Um, mm-hmm. nobody's seen or heard from him. And believe me when I'm the sheriff, that is going to change.
1: Mm-hmm. So does the sheriff have authority over the local police departments? In
2: yes, absolutely. He does now politically, it's not the best thing to do to step right. in, but these are very unique times. Uh, the sheriff does have the ability because they're the chief law enforcement officer of the county to go in and help the city of Phoenix. And if they're not doing the job, the sheriff could go in and help and do it himself with his own staff. Now, uh, one of the other things that uh, the current sheriff has done, he's fired, basically the 1400 posse members that uh, that we had working for us uh, in 2018. And Um, boy, they should have, they could have really been useful, uh, the last 10 days.
1: Wait a minute. They got rid of the posse.
2: Yes. Yes. The current sheriff, a liberal Democrat funded by George Soros, you know, you've heard of him, I'm sure. Oh, yes.
1: Uh Um,
2: got rid of the posse in, uh, 2018, 2019 and, um, gave no excuse to some of the most dedicated best trained volunteers on the planet. Uh, Some of them, many of them retired uh, military pilots, um, flew many combat missions. Just uh, this guy was in the air posse. He was a colonel in the Air Force. Uh, He was in the posse for 25 to 30 years, never missed the call out to help and assist, summarily dismissed him, never gave him a reason why. And um, every one of them were were treated with uh, complete disrespect when he disbanded the posse. And these were volunteers? Volunteer, free.
0: So let let me ask you this. So you're talking about our current sheriff, Paul Penzone, correct?
2: That's correct. But, you know, I was taught uh, a few months ago, never mention your competitor's name. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, I I just wanted to clarify for people uh, because you know we we have a a uh, fairly well known previous sheriff and and this is not the one you're talking about. We will get to uh, we'll get to that later. Um, but so Paul Pinzone is a Democrat. You tell tell us you are a constitutional conservative Republican. The Constitution itself is a non political document, right? It's for everyone. So, right. how, how much do politics play into how any sheriff should, not do or would, but should uh, serve out their, their term?
2: Well, that's a great question because most people think that constitutionalists are conservative, right wing nut jobs. But you know what? They're not because the constitution is apolitical the constitution is unbiased the constitution protects everyone in this country whether you're a citizen or not and people don't understand that you know they want to say it's the john birchers and all those people they want to put a way out on the right but you know what the constitution protects Everyone, and that's why my motto is a sheriff for all citizens, mm-hmm. because there's four point five million people in Maricopa county. And I want to be the sheriff for each and every one of those people, and I can do that by following the United States constitution and that that is my guideline
0: absolutely here it is uh in in print a sheriff for all citizens
2: oh
1: you. got <laughs> Right. I want to go Dude. a little. I do want to go a little bit off track with this talk about the, uh, you know, sheriff having the supreme authority. Uh, the deal that's happened in Seattle right now, uh, mm-hmm. the police are not doing anything about this. Now there are people in that area that that are trapped. They can't go into their business. They can't come out of their business. They're being told that they want money to do it, and the police aren't doing anything. So, a situation like that could have been could be controlled by the sheriff's department. A person that was a constitutionalist could go in there and say, no, the people have a right to enter here. We're stopping this today. Is that correct?
2: Yes, sir. Absolutely. The problem is, and I don't know this, but do you have a Democrat for a sheriff there? Probably. All these places where we're having these problems are run by Democratic Governments
1: that don't the believe in their council.
2: Uh, the problem, you know, the Phoenix City Council is 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 getting more left by the day, and you know the socialism, the uh, communism, whatever you want to call it the dem the Democratic Party isn't the party of JFK anymore. No. JFK would be a conservative today.
0: That is a true. That is a true thing. Yeah, uh, that, reason- that whole Chaz thing is such a. It's such a head scratcher to me because the mayor, the lady mayor there just wants to just wink at them like, oh, those little scamps, they're just having their little summer of love. And and we're thinking, you know, we're business owners. If our business happened to fall inside of an area that people thought they were going to have their cute little summer of love, right?
1: Then I'd be in jail. We'd... Sorry,
0: <laughs> it would be a terrifying yeah. situation for us. And I can't help, but believe that we wouldn't immediately file suit against the city because what am I paying taxes for? I'm definitely right. not paying taxes for what's happening around me. Uh, and I'm just, I don't think that would happen here in Arizona, but you you just don't know. Well, the
1: reason why I want to bring this up is because. Being that the sheriff we have right now, if this happened in Phoenix, I don't know that they would do anything about it. I don't think the sheriff would do anything about it to stop it. And that's the scary yeah. thing. Yeah.
2: That is well, look, scary. look who funded him to tune to a $3.2 million in 2016. Yeah.
0: Was that Soros? Yes. Well, no, that's, that is not a comforting thought because then who is he going to be serving? Is he going to be serving the people or is he going to be serving? the person who bankrolled him. So, I mean, we got to think about these things as we are stepping up to the polls and, and making decisions for our future. And I want to ask you, you know, we've had conversations about the second amendment, you know, you're on gun freedom radio. Um, And so, you know, of course the second amendment is, has got to come up at some point in the conversation. Um, Why do you, feel that the second amendment is such an important um, piece of our constitution an important part of how you serve out your term
2: how should many hours be elected how many hours do you have
0: <laughs> uh, uh, you just look behind him just look behind him that
1: should tell you the whole story right yeah
0: there, we're, we're drooling for the people watching on video uh i'll, I'll let jerry describe what fine piece of equipment is behind him but those listening on on audio you have no idea this beautiful uh firearm that is on full display
2: let let me let me answer the question in two parts number one our founding fathers uh with their divine wisdom wrote the constitution and the bill of rights the second amendment was there to protect the First Amendment, and I done my research, they wrote those Bill of Rights in the order of importance. So it was very important for them to have citizens be able to protect themselves from the tyranny of government, right? And so that freedom that and that liberty that we have as American citizens needs to be protected. And they didn't want a repeat of what they just went through. So that's why the Second Amendment is critically important. Okay. And now we have seen the gun sales have just skyrocketed in the last few weeks because people have seen that law enforcement is either unwilling in some cases or unable in other cases to protect them. So they have to protect themselves from other citizens now. So it's a matter of personal protection also. Okay. So that's one reason. The other reason is when I was five years old, my dad was a Marine in Korea. uh, And he taught me how to shoot since I was five years old. So in preparation for your radio show today, out of my safe, which is behind me, I took out four of my favorite guns. And it was hard to tell you which ones are my favorite, <laughs> okay? Because I have a lot of them in there. I can't fit <laughs> one more. So, But the, the, the one gun that you were talking to, I think is uh, pretty much the holy grail of American firearms. It's a 1921 Colt Thompson submachine gun. And it's got a four digit serial number and it is in mint condition, but I can tell you it is not a safe queen. I shoot that thing and it shoots like the day it was born and it's 99 years old. It'll be a hundred years old. And I can tell you, I am looking so forward as the sheriff when I get elected. When I take office January first, to shoot that thing when it turns a hundred years old, as your sheriff. Awesome. Uh, some of the other guns I got. I've got a gun. One of the guns my dad used to take me shooting when I got a little bit bigger was his Winchester Model 62A, pump 22. Oh. Uh, when I he used to take me up uh, shooting at cans and things that's so near and dear to me. And then I've got um, a Colt Woodsman, an original uh, first series Colt Woodsman that Steven Seagal gave me as a birthday present. Oh, uh, wow. And I, I shoot that too. It was never shot when Steven gave it to me, but I don't have guns I don't shoot. I don't believe in having guns. You can't hurt a gun by shooting it. Right. right? That's the way I feel. That's then, what they were made uh, for, right? What's that?
0: That's what they were made for. For yeah. sport, for hunting, for self protection,
2: um, shooting that Thompson is for total enjoyment. Yes, I also have an MP five, uh, and uh, I'm getting a Smith and Wesson Model seventy six. The paperwork, you know, you've got to wait for a long time for the paperwork. Nice. I love I love machine guns. So, uh, and then the other gun I took out was a custom built by Jason Burton from Heirloom Precision. He builds Rob Latham's guns. I'm sure you've heard. Maybe you've sure. been had Rob on your show. Um, I, I asked Jason's a personal friend. I asked him to fix my uh, Colt 1911 government model uh, to tweak it because I'd had it for a while. He, six months later, he, he gives it back to me on my birthday. And he put my dad's serial number and badge number on it, had it engraved, and he did a total makeover. Wow! And it's like uh, it, I, I almost hate to shoot it, but I I still do, and I <laughs> carry it, you know, in my duty holster in uniform. And um, I I'm just a, a gun nut myself. I've been a life member of the NRA for over 20 years, and uh, I sure would love the NRA's endorsement. But I don't. Somebody told me they're not doing that anymore. I don't know. They
0: may not be right now, but I have to tell you that as a Second Amendment advocate who goes and speaks with elected officials all, all over the nation, actually, uh, it is so refreshing to me to have somebody who uh, is seeking elected office who really does know what they're talking about when it comes to firearms because there is so much garbage information out there that just dribbles from people's mouths about. You know,
2: I won't even repeat some of the the nonsense that they say. So
0: that's quite refreshing. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> so no, I appreciate and that. I,
2: and I can shoot too. I can tell you, I was at the range about five years ago, and I had one of the guys that can't shoot very well. We were standing at the hundred yard line. I had that Colt Government model, and he says, "Oh, I bet you can't hit that target at a hundred yards." I looked <laughs> at my like, Steve. I says, "I bet you I could put five out of seven in the 10 ring and he says oh no you can't so i put six out of seven in the 10 ring nice uh, at 100 yards and then when i turned around i saw the swat team which are a lot younger than me sitting behind me and had i known they were sitting there i bet you i wouldn't have been able to hit the paper at all because it would have freaked me out that they were watching you know these young the young stud of uh law enforcement, right?
0: Sure. So
2: I can also shoot too. I'm not just uh a not guy just a that, pretty
0: face, uh, right? You know, well <laughs> so
1: <laughs> so you know, there's a lot of people out there that say like sheriffs that want to run for sheriffs that say uh, you know, um, I like guns and I think that they're okay.
0: But Yeah, they always hit that butt. Okay, there's no butt behind him. No.
1: Right there, there's guns there you know that uh you know that kind of proves that he is a constitutionalist and a, and a gun lover absolutely
0: so, talking about i'm Michael not Johnson,
2: i'm not saying all this for political things i've lived this all my life my father brought me up this way uh you know he's a great mentor he's in the other room he's 89 years old uh, he lives with stacy and i um he still shoots he carries a gun with him almost 24 7. I, and he's taught me those principles throughout his life and, and mine.
1: Well, Jerry, I, I was brought up with a 62A Winchester too. So we, you know, I, I, I understand, I understand.
2: This, so. he gave this to me about two years ago because he asked me, he said, Jerry, I'm getting old. I don't know how much longer I've got. And I said, well, dad, you, your brother's 93. So come on, <laughs> he, said, he said, which gun would you want from my collection? And I said, no doubt, dad that
0: models you too. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Well, moving along our list of questions. um, The person getting back to your, your campaign for um, running for sheriff, the person perhaps most well known for holding office uh, that you're seeking is Joe Arpaio. He's known for building tent city for housing the inmates and including pink boxer shorts, underwear in the inmates uniforms. Those are some big, And possibly controversial shoes to fill. Do different times call for different tactics? And who are you competing with? I know you said you didn't want to mention the names, so if you want to skip that question, that's okay. We're we're a nationwide show, so we try to you know make it relevant not only to local but also uh, to people all over the country. And why do you think that you are the most qualified person to be elected sheriff?
2: Okay. Difficult times do not mean different tactics i mean again i'll go back to the constitution it's very clear it protects people from bad officer behavior it protects people it protects officers from bad citizen behavior okay Mm -hmm. the constitution's Mm -hmm. been around a long time Mm -hmm. so no it doesn't but what needs to happen is a different form of communication uh but what i found is sometimes people don't want to listen i've been to many community meetings over my career Uh, a lot of times they come in with preconceived notions and they also leave with them Mm -hmm. especially when you have the agitators uh, attending these meetings and want to take over i mean they're not very productive. So what it needs to happen is more on a personal one-to-one basis to take time, but also to reach out to um, the religious community. Mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of law enforcement agencies do that, but that is the great place to start, especially for the Hispanic and black communities to start with that. And that's what I'm going to do when I become the sheriff. That might be a little bit different tactic than uh, many take but there's also something else that i started to do when i became the chief deputy in 2010 i think it was about 2012 i brought in uh, a new concept in police ethics training it wasn't called ethics and uh, racial sensitivity training because when you start telling cops seasoned cops hey i'm going to teach you about ethics and you know racial sensitivity it shuts them down. I I know this because I I taught at the community college level for 22 years. I was an educator and I know what turns people on and off to sit, make them sit in a class and shove something down their throat. But a guy named Michael Neela put together something called Blue Courage. And it is in such a format that the deputies that we started the train loved it. It was in a way that communicated the message of being ethical, the nobility of law enforcement, the honor of wearing that uniform and treating people the right way, the mm-hmm. constitutional way, the way you would treat your mother. And doesn't matter what color their skin is and then there's a second component to that it was called transformational leadership and i had i start i've I've been to both of these classes myself and i started to have my uh staff my supervisors my middle level managers my executive chiefs go to this class and they ate it up it was a three-day class and it taught them about all these issues about racial sensitivity about lgbt things you know it it was all encompassing but because of some legal issues because the aclu the obama doj the racial profiling issue all that completely distracted me from furthering this education and then we had to because of the court order we had to use this what trash training about the Constitution that the ACLU thought we should know about. I'm also going to bring in a constitutional me- trainer to treat to train the deputies about the United States Constitution and how it protects everyone, not just the, the current training they have. I, I've got to do that to comply with the, ju- the judge's order but I'm gonna add some more training that I've been through that I find is very informative that deputies, that my deputies and detention officers and civilian employees need to know about the United States Constitution. So that's something different that I'm gonna do and especially it's needed in these very difficult times.
0: That's great. I like that you've been an educator and you understand that as part of leadership is being able to communicate effectively and bring people along with you rather than just top down speaking at, uh, which I think too often happens. Yeah,
1: I'm surprised how many uh, police officers may not even know what the constitution is, mm. you know, they
2: really give you, I think is a two hour block or something in the police academy about the constitution. Mm-hmm. And, um, no, you can't, you, you can't do that. Right. So, As a leader, you're an educator, right? As an educator, you're a leader. And in the 20 years that I was a chief at the sheriff's office, I very rarely, very rarely missed going and talking to every one of those academy classes and teaching a class. I gave, and the supervisor classes, when we taught supervisor classes, I made sure I told them about my philosophy on leadership. And I've got, I think it's, uh, like 85 little one liners that I used to spend a couple of hours telling them about my philosophy on leadership, because it's important to do that, to get out there. And I will continue to do that as the sheriff. Very good. Mm -hmm.
0: We are starting to run a little long. And so I'm going to incorporate two questions together. I think think they can flow together well enough. uh, See how we can navigate this. The first one is, what was the hardest lesson that you learned in your 40 years with the MCSO? And what is the first thing on your agenda once you take office as new sheriff, should your campaign be successful?
2: Okay. The hardest lesson I learned was I'm a very trusting person and there was someone very close to me in the sheriff's office that I trusted that he was doing his job and he was not Mm. matter of fact because of office politics he was hiding things from me Mm. and that cost me dearly Mm. it cost the judge to think that I was untruthful Mm. And ultimately he held me in contempt of court. Wow. Tell you I was never untruthful. And I never violated his his rules or any anything that he did. And so believe me, I'm going to be a lot more cautious when I get back and trusting people. That's number one. The first thing that I will do and believe me it will be at the stroke of midnight on december 31st 2020 i will be in my uniform in my sheriff's truck by myself i don't need bodyguards like the current sheriff we have it's got a team of bodyguards now if you're going to be the sheriff of Maricopa County and need a team of bodyguards, you need to hang it up if you can't take care of yourself. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go out and I'm going to all the substations. I'm going to meet with my deputies, your deputies, the deputies of 4.5 million people, and tell them there's a new sheriff in town. There's a new sheriff in town that has your back, but don't Take my kindness for weakness because I fired people that I loved. Mm -hmm. I demoted people that were my best friends. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. But no, I want you to go out there and do your job, protecting the public, keeping Mm -hmm. people safe because that's what the sheriff's primary duty is. And I'm also going to stop by all the jails. 75% of the sheriff's office is the jail system. And I'm going to go tell the officers the same thing before I go home that day. It's going to be a long day. I can't wait, but that's what keeps me going. That's what gives me the energy to do this. I never thought I was going to run for sheriff. When I retired after 38 years as an employee, I have a great life. I have a cabin up north. I have horses. I fly fish. My wife's my best friend. I'm a... Uh, award-winning photographer I don't need this job for the money matter of fact I made twice as much as the chief deputy I'm doing it for the passion for the love of the sheriff's office and what we did protecting the public and that's why I'm running for sheriff
0: Wow that's very powerful well how do people find out more about you how do they follow your campaign how do they maybe help with your campaign I, I assume it's similar to any other uh, person running for office. You, you need donations, helping out with the campaign and spreading the word. Um, so talk to us about that.
2: Okay. Well, you can go to my Facebook page if you're on Facebook. Uh, it's uh, Jerry Sheridan uh, on Facebook. And I have a nephew that's Jerry Sheridan, not him. <laughs> uh, and you can go to my website. It's www. Sheridan four, number four, sheriff2020.com. And there are links on there. to ask for donations. And you're right. I, I need money. Uh, the issue that I have is name ID. I'm running against somebody that's got almost a 100% name ID. The incumbent sheriff has the bully pulpit. Uh, But again, he hasn't used it in the last 10 days because he's been hiding since all this uh, public unrest here in Phoenix and Scottsdale and Tempe while the places are being destroyed millions of dollars of property damage and he's doing nothing. But anyway, other than making excuses so um, they can donate to my campaign and uh, they can on my website they can ask me questions if uh, they need to or further follow up on some of the things we talked about here today or anything else I have nothing to hide i'm very proud of the person i see looking back at myself in the mirror every morning and um i thank you so much for having me on your show i'm honored and it was a great privilege
1: jared it's a privilege here too thanks for being on the show today
0: absolutely best of luck we will be checking back in with you seeing how the um election's going and uh, when, tell folks again, when do they step up to the polls here in, in Arizona for that?
2: The uh, early ballots get mailed out uh, July 8th. So the political pundits tell me, and I'm not a politician, I am a career law enforcement officer running for public <laughs> office. But the, the, the politicos say that that election is won and lost Within those two weeks after the ballots go out, so it's coming up quick, okay. and I need to get my name ID out so if you're willing to donate twenty five fifty bucks please do it now very and good. don't
0: very good well thanks again so much best of luck to you and someday we'll have to uh, get together go out to the range and uh, swap some you know let you shoot some of our super cool guns and
2: don't don't tell anybody, but I have a secret place near my house that's that's great. oh awesome. Okay, and I it's, like you're very safe too.
0: I I like you even more now. Okay. <laughs> Thanks so that's much, true. Jerry. We'll talk soon.
2: Okay, bye bye.
0: Bye bye. Wow, was, you know that was you, fun. Yeah,
1: you gotta think about that when uh you're getting ready to vote for a sheriff. Ask yourself, what is the sheriff that's there now doing? What's he doing right now? What happened when the Scottsdale Mall was attacked all this stuff going on? But, hey, I have another thing. We talked about the Constitution, and we talked about how, you know, the people that made up the Constitution must have had some kind of knowing the future of what could be happening today. Mm-hmm. And then I realized it hit me really hard. They had, They had no idea what was going to happen today. What they had was what happened in the past what it was the past that made them make the decisions they made not the future
0: they learned from history the history the past and experience what do you think
1: about that I mean it's serious I've
0: never even heard of such a thing it's serious so I mean really I thought,
1: how did they know that one day we'd be fighting for our rights to own guns they had no idea that it was going to be in the future because they stopped it from being in the future by creating the Constitution to protect us and they protected us by doing that Because they looked at the past. People, we need our history. We don't like all the history that we have. There's things that I did I don't like. But I'm constantly reminded about it to make me a better person. So we need our past. We need to wake up.
0: I can't say that any better than you did. That was, I mean, it's so true. Um, And we have this wonderful and amazing opportunity right now that – all of our schools across the nation got shuttered during COVID. I don't know. Most of them, I think. And so, um, moms and dads became homeschoolers, grandmas and grandpas became homeschoolers. They taught you that in school. What? (laughs) And it's a, it's an amazing opportunity for us to, um, learn from our children, what they've been learning, maybe. Right. Kind of find out, well, where are you with the world? You know, what are you thinking about things? Bless you. And it's an amazing opportunity to impart to our next generation things that we learned in our lifetimes. And um, I just think that we we should really embrace that and and do the best we can to, um, you know, reconnect yeah, but you know as why- families, as neighbors, as human beings, and and uh, truly, the, the more and more I'm talking to actual real-life human beings with skin on rather than just watching the dumpster fire that is posing as news right, right. right now, um, the more I talk to actual real people, the more I am truly encouraged that we are not... We are not as divided as people on the dumpster fire news want to make us believe and they um,
1: want us to hate. Do you realize I'm sure I had a conversation this morning. They, they want us to turn against everyone, everything, the constitution, the people, blacks, white, Brown. They want us to fight and I, for the life of me, I can't understand why. And it's because of control. Because once there's chaos and we get total chaos out there, then they can, somebody can step in and take control. Look what happened with Hitler. The country was in chaos. They had no money. They had no leadership. They had nothing. And they just kept it worse and worse. And then Hitler come up and says, I'll do it. I can handle it for you. And that's, I'm afraid is what we're going to end up with again. That we're going to end up because there's already chaos. You look, and, and again, the key is, where's is this happening? It's happening in democratic-controlled cities.
0: That right there should make you stop and just pause. I mean, you don't have to. You don't have to get all political about it. You can just go, okay. Objectively speaking, let's look at the map. Right, where is there turmoil, unrest, huge levels of poverty? You know, on and on and on and on. Where? What kind of leadership have those things happened? under, just, just do that for yourself. It's probably just Don't, summer of
1: love though. Sure. Just,
0: just summer of love. Yeah, whatever. But just, just do that. Don't take my word for it. Don't take Dan's word for it. Don't listen to the stuff going on in the news. Just look at the map and say, under this style of leadership. This is what you get. What are the fruits, right? We're Christians. And so we're told that people recognize us by you our fruits stop it you can't you can say anyway
1: you can't say anything i want to
0: say this no you can't say anything right now i want to say this that even covid you know i mean whatever you think of covid whether it required the degree of you know shutting everything down or whether it didn't there's an element of it that is causing people to be uh, terrified of each other because he might have it and he might give it to me or she might have it and she might give it to me. And so there's that, try to divide, try to keep us away from interacting with each other. You know, do with that what you will. But I think that those of us that are continuing to stay connected to other real-life human beings, especially real-life human beings that we don't automatically line up on every single political, you know, um, issue and, and talking point and that. We're doing a good work. We're doing a good work by, by staying connected against all odds right now. Um, and so if you are among those, I salute you. I high five you through digital space. Um, and, uh, I, I just value that. And so we better wrap up. We better get on out of here, but, um, I want to thank our amazing listeners. That's you and the people viewing us on YouTube and GunStreamer. We're also on an app now called ops lens. And so our video, um, Portion of our show appears on ops lens you can watch it on any of your smartphones. They've got all kinds of cool things on there. Like you, you can be a citizen journalist on that app and, uh, you know, show the world what's going on in your world. It doesn't have to be a dumpster fire. Mind you, it could actually be a happy feel good story about human beings who like each other. That would be awesome. Just keep it real. Just keep it real. That's true. Um, and, Uh, The people who listen to us through our website, go to gunfreedomradio.com, click the on-demand tab, and binge listen to your heart's content while Dan sits next to me and mocks me. Did you mock me? You can't say that word. Did you mock me, sir? You can say mock. You can probably say mock. I don't know. Can you say mock? can't say mock. There's probably something wrong with that. The etymology of mock is probably something. can't say
1: etymology either. (laughs) Sorry.
0: All right. So thank you to our amazing listeners, because when you take these conversations into your homes, um, beautiful and wonderful things happen. Minds are changed. Hearts are changed. Uh, worlds are expanded.
1: Yes. My whole, everything's changing. Every time I hear a guest on the show, I get something out of it. Mm -hmm. And it's like today thinking about the constitution. I really thought, how did they know the future? Mm -hmm. They didn't know the future. They knew the past and that's a new to me. It just come up. He's so smart. Oh, I'm so smart. Yeah, I, but I, I should have known that long time ago.
0: But, that's why, uh, that's just, why I let you be the other guy, Dan,
1: on the yeah. show. But anyway. Did you hear me say uh, let? Did you? Of course. You can't say that word. But
0: <laughs> I allow you.
1: That, you can't say that word either. I'm going to have a list of words you can't say.
0: I'm going to be in so much trouble later. He's good. I'll keep him. Okay. So thank you to our listeners. Thank you to our amazing uh, guests always. And today, Jerry Sheridan running for um, sheriff of Maricopa County, the fourth largest, didn't he say the fourth largest um, uh, sheriff's office in the entire nation is right here in Arizona. Thank you to Jerry for what you've done and what you um, will do if you're successful in your campaign. And until next time, please, people, please, everyone listening, pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. All of them. Representatives. All of them. All of them, Dan. All. Even the ones you don't like. Especially the ones you don't like. Be good to each other. (laughs) Not gonna say it today. (laughs) Have a great week and God bless. Bye. Thank you. Bye.